Welcome to EdScoop's podcast series on IT security in education, underwritten this week by Palo Alto Networks. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in this episode, we're talking about how the nation's school districts can ensure secure and scalable access to learning materials and resources their students and faculty need. Our guest today is Greg Herbold, Director for Public Sector at Palo Alto Networks. Greg has over 20 years of experience in information technology and analytics and currently leads cybersecurity strategy and planning, solution development, and marketing for Palo Alto Networks, overseeing their federal, state, and local government and education markets. Greg, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks, Wyatt. It's great to be here. Well, when school administrators and local leaders realized they had to move quickly to support a remote learning environment last spring and now again this fall, they had to confront a slew of technical challenges. And while those challenges vary from district to district, what I'd like to ask you is, what are the most critical issues you're hearing from your customers when it comes to building out and scaling up remote learning programs? Yeah, that is a great place to start. The challenge in the spring obviously was very focused around access. Most schools were taken by surprise and immediately had to jump into finding access solutions. In many cases, that was devices and getting devices into the hands of students so that they could try to continue their education from the remote sites. And it's basically forced the issue on one-to-one initiatives. And that concept, which has been around for a while and and making progress, it amplified the need to make rapid process and close the deal on one-to-one so that students had a means to get access to the curriculum. So the device was the first pass. Obviously, the pipes between that device and those educational resources becomes the secondary part of the challenge. So connectivity to the content was job one and has been a key focus and remains an issue. Right behind that is a second challenge slash opportunity, which is to really be focused on the quality of education. And this is where we get beyond the basic connectivity technology and into the classroom technology itself to enable hybrid learning and do so in a way that still protects confidentiality, accessibility, and the integrity of the systems. So that quality of education, whether it's new technologies to allow students who may be participating from home or from another site, those technologies are certainly a big focus right now. The area that wraps all of this then is the safety and the compliance piece, right? We have new locations for work. So there are risks that come with that. If we're doing administrative tasks from remote locations and those tasks involve access to sensitive information, compliance-based information, then we have to be super careful about how we structure that to make sure that we are supporting safety and compliance. Similarly, the massive increase in the use of SaaS tools uh, moves that traffic in new ways. And sometimes we lose visibility to all the traffic that we're used to seeing when everyone's uh, tucked into our environment. And that distribution of the access um, makes that challenge harder. At Palo Alto Networks, our focus is on something very simple, which is to just make sure it's possible to have consistent security services across all of these instantiations of technology. Well, as you know, Greg, school districts face the challenge that not every student has ready access to broadband or the equipment they need. How have you seen schools overcome some of those obstacles and also make sure that students have secure access to digital learning platforms? That is the foundational question. And there's an equity question that goes into it. It's essential, for example, that we connect distant and disadvantaged communities that don't have the same broadband access that other communities may have. 
Many organizations are working on that in both practical and in political ways. We see a variety of approaches going on in the districts that we work with. One that I read about recently was Fontana Unified School District building its own citizens broadband radio service. It's a private network uh, for its 36,000 students based on unassigned 5G spectrum. That's really innovative. Others are partnering with their cities to use 5G to create some of these solutions. Some are taking a more traditional approach of looking at MiFi solutions, working with the service providers for MiFi and hotspots, and can those be delivered with the devices that go into the school as a connectivity option? One of our technology partners, for example, puts Wi-Fi solutions onto school buses, and these can then be parked in areas where service gaps exist. So we're seeing a number of innovative, creative approaches they certainly involve collaboration between technology providers and the schools and sometimes the organizations that are there to support important progress that needs to be made to get access consistently across the students. Uh, from a security standpoint, um, our job at Palo is to provide a, a secure tunnel that all of that traffic can pass through and also make it simple to secure the future. Things like the Internet of Things, right, which will bring new technologies to bear on that academic opportunity to enhance learning and improve the quality of learning that's done remotely. So our goal is to have that secure foundation on which all of it can run. Well, related to that, scaling has been another challenge for many schools during this pandemic so that teachers can conduct their classes online without systems crashing, right? So what examples are you seeing where schools have taken the right steps, if you will, to address scaling, access, and connectivity concerns? Yes, well, scaling certainly comes to play in the access piece, and we've talked about a few of those examples. When it comes to the systems, whether it's the administrative tools, the learning management systems, the student information systems, cloud can also be a major scaling factor in this arena. The most important thing to think about is if you're moving workloads to the cloud, that you're using the cloud native technologies and functions, not just trying to lift and shift things as they are. Not only does that give you a better outcome from the standpoint of the functions that those tools perform because they're fitted to the right technologies in the cloud, it also improves the security aspect of it in terms of being able to leverage security tools that are focused on the cloud and the nuances associated with cloud security. So moving an SIS or an administrative tool to SaaS also brings challenges in terms of the visibility. But specifically when it comes to security, there's a ramping up of remote access benefits and other benefits that comes from segmentation. The most important task up front is to map usage needs. Who needs just content filtering to protect their use of the internet versus who needs full-on secure access because they're getting access to sensitive information or protected information. So that segregation of business access from curriculum-based access is a very important part of the scaling process that schools need to go through to ramp up to meet this need. If you think beyond remote access, we actually find that security and scalability can go very much hand in hand. If you focus on visibility as the foundational concept and the simple, you treat every piece of security technology, it could be a firewall on a network, could be an endpoint protection on each of the devices that you send out. It could be virtual firewalls in a cloud or other cloud native security tools. Treat every one of those as a sensor. They all give you visibility. And from there, the task becomes ramping up the analysis and the playbooks. A lot of these things can be automated so that you're really harnessing the power of the security work across that entire visibility foundation. And that's when you hit the sweet spot. And that's where we see people really start to uh, find success is when your scalability and your security go hand in hand, tied together by that concept of visibility. 
Well, next, <clears throat> I'd like to ask, excuse me a second. <clears throat> well, school districts, uh, like most enterprises, are under constant threat from cybersecurity and ransomware attacks. What key steps should school IT directors be taking now to reduce those risks as they continue to support remote learning while also keeping the safety and privacy of their students at the forefront of the conversation? Well, step one in this conversation is always to do the most with and do the appropriate things with what you already have. Most sources cite, for example, that 90% of cyber attacks are attributed to misconfigurations of security technology that you already have. So if you have a next generation firewall, for example, make sure that you get them all to at least match an industry standard set of configurations. And don't reinvent the wheel. You can deploy these as a set of day one configurations on most next generation firewalls. And then once you have that deployed, tune them to your specific environment to get them from 80% to 100% of what you need. But the key thing is to check up on yourself then. Do best practice assessments. Find that rhythm of routinely assessing are things still set up as you expected them to be? Has anything gone out of your policy, for example? And that will allow you to have much more confidence from the get-go and protect against the silly things that can happen as just you know being a misconfiguration impact. So when you can, tie these things back to CIS or NIST controls, for example. It's easy to set up a scheme of best practice assessments that look control by control. From there, from that core foundation, we find it useful to look at things that are easy to deploy that have an outweighted impact. SSL decryption is one of these things. Now, there's controversy around that, but it's more important than ever with schools no longer having physical control of the devices. The devices are at home with the students and those devices are communicating. And small steps like turning on SSL decryption has an outweighed impact relative to the effort it takes to get them set up and running. It improves that visibility that we talked about earlier, which is really key to the scalability Now, you mentioned ransomware. So ransomware in particular has a very similar playbook anchored on many of these principles that I've just shared. Applying zero trust, right? And zero trust, sometimes people think that zero trust is difficult, right? It's difficult to achieve full zero trust, but getting started with zero trust and putting those principles in place and biting off what you can with a commitment to progress over time is a fantastic way to really get a foundation in place that's going to protect you against ransomware. The key with zero trust is to not just think inside your network, but to think about Gartner's concept of the inversion and think about where all the stuff that's outside of your network where those zero trust principles can also apply. There's a people problem aspect here, right? Training personnel, people who are using your technologies or students, right? To resist the entry points for ransomware, such as phishing attacks. But within all of it, one of the things that we suggest is that while you're facing an enemy in the here and now, which is ransomware, to be doing that preparation with an eye towards your future, looking towards how you're integrating tools, sharing data across your tools, finding correlations across your network, your cloud, your endpoints, and automating the detections and the responses that your system can provide. That playbook against ransomware really sets up a really strong foundation for schools. Well, finally, what lessons do you believe K-12 officials will take away from the pandemic? And what recommendations would you give those who may still be struggling with issues around IT security and access today? 
Yeah, well, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot that we still will learn. The key, I think, is that ongoing, it needs to be dynamic. We need to think about security solutions that can do more by doing things holistically, meaning that whether the technology is, or the students for that matter, are on-premise or the technology is in the cloud, that we can leverage those things and leverage automation to get more done. Platforms really have an advantage for everyone in this as opposed to point products that sometimes can make the management workload more cumbersome because you have to follow a threat across different tools as that threat moves across different parts of the technology landscape. And that can be a challenge and it consumes resources and limits the scalability factor. If you're still struggling or having done some things, but knowing that there's more you probably should do, the most important thing is to know that you're not alone. You can leverage what others have done. I'm proud that Palo Alto Networks, for example, makes a big effort to allow for the sharing of best practices to build those day one configuration sets based on what other schools are doing so that you've got the opportunity to adopt those quickly with a really solid foundation that you can then tune. We can also help connect the dots and help you meet your peers where there's a good reference case where someone else has done something that you are trying to do. So it's important to leverage you know, the manufacturer community, your security partners. I think the most important thing though, however, that this remote experience cements is the critical role that cyber needs to play in the curriculum itself. I expect, though, that we're going to see a lot more focus put against the core skill set that buttresses and sits behind the traditional acceptable use policies that we use as the foundation of cybersecurity for the technologies that we give to students. That training can't just be for IT, right? It's got to have a foundational role, just like grammar and arithmetic do. So for us at Palo Alto Networks, that's why we created a program called Cyber Aces, for example. It's activities in cybersecurity education for students. And in that program, our focus is just to demystify cybersecurity through interactive learning. And we try to equip kids anywhere from ages 5 to 15 with an understanding of how to protect their digital future. Programs like this are going to have to be the way that schools protect their digital now. Uh, because let's face it, if students know better how to protect themselves, how to recognize a phishing attack, how to understand the concept of their identity in an online world, they're going to be better utilizers of the technology that the schools provide them and the whole environment's going to be safer. And our future from a cybersecurity standpoint will of course be much brighter. So there's a long-term payback. So we still have to tackle the problems of today. And there's plenty of resources to help do that, plenty of best practices to be shared. But to me, it's this opportunity for us to recognize the foundational role that cybersecurity education needs to play in the curriculums that we deploy for our children. Well, those are some great points. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today, though. Uh, Greg Herbold, thanks so much for joining us to talk about some of the ways that America's thousands of school districts can indeed scale up their operations and do so more securely. It's my pleasure, Wyatt. Thank you for having me. And thanks to Palo Alto Networks for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of IT security in education on edscoop.com and our EdScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.